Good morning, Foxhole, on this cold Saturday in New York. My name is Jamari Fox, as you already know. I run the website InsideJamariFox.com, where we damn near talk about everything under the sun. Um, I am joined by my amazing co-host, Cousin Hybrid. Hey, in the very cold, Linda. <laughs> <laughs> and sans a karaoke this week, but she is with us in spirit for this amazing discussion. Mm, hallelujah. <laughs> so how was your week let's have, we always like to start off with week how was your week to be honest my week was pretty and this is going to be a very controversial statement my, my week has been very boring <laughs> never Ooh. made the world falling apart well you're nothing going on well you have you're literally in like permanent quarantine though. still yeah, you might as well be in person. Are you still in quarantine? Yeah. Well, I'm not in quarantine anymore. Quarantine is finished, but it's the it's just that we in the UK are still in lockdown, like almost like imprisoned still. Mm. Yeah, so mm. not much to do, not much to see. Well, this week for us in the USA was our inauguration for our new president. President oh, yeah. Biden. <laughs> Vice President Kamala Harris, first black woman to be vice president mm-hmm. in this country. First woman as well. So that's that's a big fucking deal. Yeah. I think she's the first Asian, uh, well, Asian American as well because of her um, Indian heritage. Yes. Yeah. But don't forget, she is Jamaican. They will not let you forget. Oh, Lord. She <laughs> is Jamaican. Everyone listening. Kamala Harris is Jamaican. She's Jamaican extraction. <laughs> I'm waiting for I didn't see her pull out a, a Jamaican flag anywhere in that inauguration. So I'm gonna no. I'm waiting to see how she's going to contribute being Jamaican in this whole situation. Yeah, she's I think she's she's just Jamaican by extraction. She's just part of the diaspora, so I don't think it's but, but I wanna get into something that happened at the inauguration. Let's get loud! (laughs) (laughs) So... They told y'all she was going to find a way to embarrass us. So Lady Gaga did great with her rendition. I mean, she wasn't... like It wasn't like she was performing the songs. She literally was doing something that other people do. But Beyonce still, to me... Beyonce and Aretha Franklin, to me, still hold the crown mm-hmm. for singing that song at an inauguration. Oh, I, oh, I was um, about to say at an inauguration because the the all time hero or heroine would be Whitney Houston. Oh, of course. Yeah, I always I mean, nobody can course. sing it unless they have. I, I, I almost have that song running in my head at the same time while anybody else tries to perform it. Is like, let's see how you measure up. Okay. It's almost like I um like I want to what is a word that's beyond iconic? 
Like, is that, is it, what is a word? Because that song, her performing that song was beyond iconic. It, it, <laughs> you know what I mean? Music. That's like a god, a god tier performance. There's no. There we go, god tier. Yeah, there's nothing else beyond that performance of that song. I love that word, by the way, god tier. <laughs> um, but you can borrow it. Uh, okay, thank you, thank you, uh, Jennifer Lopez. Oh boy. You know. Here's something I want people to understand. Mm-hmm. Because everyone, we got to stop acting shocked when people do things that is expected. True. Like, Jennifer Lopez is not the best singer in the world. That's truth. Mm-hmm. Truth is that she has butchered her own songs life. <laughs> That's truth. <laughs> so... Why did we expect Jennifer Lopez to get up on stage and suddenly become Whitney Houston? Well, this is it. Jennifer Lopez is not a vocalist. She, there, there are tons, let me put it in context. There are tons of other singers who are not the strongest vocalists in the world, but they have tone. They have, they have a bit of a character to their voice. So you can look at someone yes. like say, you know, like, I'm so sorry that we gotta keep bringing her up. You could bring, you could look like someone like Britney Spears, who may not have the strongest voice, but you know distinctively that it is Britney Spears, and that if she, yes. the few times that she has performed live, you can hear that she does have a vocal style. Madonna is not the strongest vocalist, but you know it is Madonna. Yeah. Jennifer Lopez just somehow manages to fall flat. There's no kind of character to her voice, and. As much what she does is that she tries to make her voice like, for example, at the inaugural, she was inauguration, not the inaugural. <laughs> um, <laughs> what she was trying to do was mm-hmm. make is to bring kind of drama to her voice, and make it sound soft and lilting and and like plaintive, like "Oh, this land is my land." But at the same time, it just still kind of fell very, very flat because I don't okay. think she has any tone really. Well, I'll be honest with you. I'm going to say a controversial statement. Mm-hmm. It, out of everything I have seen J-Lo do, especially that horrendous New Year's Eve performance, we that we wasn't that bad. It was, to me, it, it really, what, when she slid across the damn stage <laughs> and hit the camera? <laughs> yeah. To me, honestly, it wasn't that bad. Oh no no no! Again, um, it wasn't horrible for for her. I was like, yeah. oh, okay, this sounds really decent for her. And again, for her, because I have mm. I'm not going to hold her to high standards, and I think that's a problem that we as humans do. We hold mm. people to high standards, hoping that they'll be better the next go round, the and they just give up. us the bare minimum. And we're like, well, I expected. Why did you expect? Like, brace yourself because <laughs> you might hear some off notes. And you might hear nonsense. Now, that leads me into the next, what happened this week as well. Right. Uh, I, so first of all, I think it was December 12th. December 12th, I was excited to see mm. Ashanti and Keisha Cole perform at Versus. I was excited because I grew up on both of them. They have touched my life in many ways within their music. Keisha Cole has always been around when I'm having a bad breakup with some 
dumbass wolf and he has pissed me the fuck off and I'm thinking about hanging an entire horse head on his doorstep. <laughs> she appeals to that side of my ratchet's life. Right. Ashanti is the bougie uh, suburban black girl who lived in the hood type of music that deals with breakups and she doesn't understand why drug dealers do the things and scammers do the things that they do. Mm. So she's appealed to me. Plus, their music brings back a lot of memories for me. Yeah, Keisha Cole's first album. In that time when we were kind of like coming into ourselves. Exactly. I'll never forget walking into a record shop and hearing Love. Oh, yeah. That's always, no, that's an iconic song for me. And I said, who the fuck is this? Yeah. And the man, (laughs) in dramatic fashion. Yeah. And the man said, it's. This new artist, she just came out with an album. Her name is Keisha Cole. I'm buying it right now. That album was on repeat so hard that the fucking MP3 is scratched up. That's how much I played that fucking album. Okay? I played that album every day, every hour. Went to work listening to the song. Came off of work listening to the song. Played it sometimes at work. Like, that album really touched my life. Ashanti's first album is always going to be a classic. Mm-hmm. Um, the only song I could not stand on that album was Dreams Are For... Whatever the dream song is. Yeah. I hated that. But everything else was solid. Now... Even Happy they was come, solid. Oh, I hated that. First of all, I hated that song. I love that Hated song. that it's, song it's when it's I first called? heard it. So, I'll be, so those two. I hated it. You'll be so much for you with me. I know something, something we. I was like, what the fuck is this? And it sounded to me, you know what it did? It sounded off key to me. Like I just couldn't, something was off with it. But as the years went on. It sounded too much like a a nursery rhyme. I think that was what it was the problem with it. Yeah. But as the years went on, I liked it. Like I went to an R&B party. And I didn't even know R&B parties were a thing. But I went to an R&B party two years ago. Mm -hmm. And they played this song. And I said, oh, I'm into this. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because it brought back nostalgia. Yeah, the nostalgia of it. That's like 2002. My God. Yeah. 2002-ish, 3-ish? No, 3. Yeah, 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 around that. 2000. Because their second album came out around 2003-ish. Yeah. that Um, That album I enjoyed as well. So these two ladies in my life, mm. two fixins, are nostalgia for me. <clears throat> so when they canceled it the first time because Ashanti got the Rona, I was like, okay, you know what? Second time they were supposed to do it, couldn't get it figured out. I was like, all right. So the moment had passed for me. Yeah. And then now they do it this week on Thursday. <laughs> Disaster. And they didn't first- as if they were interested in their own songs. So you know what I think the problem is? All the other verses that came out, mm-hmm. everyone had chemistry. Everyone had a connection. Everyone had yeah. some sort of tie to them. Mm-hmm. So it was like we've worked together in the past and Ashanti and Keisha Gold have worked together. But right. there was some sort of something. Brandy and Monica being the Iconics legends, mm-hmm. they even though they are beefing or whatever is going on with them too mm-hmm. they came together for the moment and they were synergized yeah they were a bit odd now too, that's that they weren't they weren't they, they were they were odd yeah that's that's an important word for the podcast today yeah. synergy and synergized yeah. words so 
to break it down, Ashanti, they're like supposed to start at eight. It's fucking eight forty-five. Ain't nobody coming out. Then Ashanti comes out. She's deciding that she's gonna be the hype man. I'm like, okay, Ashanti, what the fuck is going on? <laughs> Keisha Cole laid there. Then the screen is fur- fuzzy at one point. Then it's not fuzzy. Then she comes out. She's like, all right, okay, I'm here. All right, let's start it. Okay, all right. So first. You don't even give context. You didn't come out and say, "Oh my God, guys, thank you so much for waiting. I'm so sorry I'm late. You know, had a had some traffic. I don't know, make something up. Something. Had traffic. You know, New York. I mean, California is a mess when it comes to traffic. That would have helped. She just came in and she started. Then it was her talking about turn this up, and she was talking to someone off screen and looking over to the side and getting up every two seconds. I'll be honest with you. Keisha's energy threw the entire thing off. Keisha, sadly, and this is this truth, mm-hmm. she has been known to have a nasty attitude. But I've heard that, yeah. I've Ashanti, that. I actually felt her whole vibe that night. Like, to me, she came off so sweet mm-hmm. and just so down to earth. And you could tell she was just trying to keep it together. There was one point that I, like, she snapped at her. Whoa. Because Keisha came back and was like, all right, so it's my turn. And Deshanti's like, no, no, it's my turn to go. She's like, no, 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 it's my turn. She's like, no, it's my turn. And I said, ooh. Seriously, I, I, I didn't, I logged off after a while. It was just like, I'm not interested. But, so I didn't get too far. But when did that happen? That happened when they came back from break. Because she's like, oh, my God, I need a break. Um, I'll be honest with you. You both didn't need a break because you both <laughs> was late. <laughs> okay, it's almost like when you go to work. Because clearly they, they've never had a real job a real before. Job, clearly. So when you come in late for work, you ain't getting no lunch and you are not probably not getting a 15. Yeah, exactly. Because that time that you came in makes up for that. Exactly. You need to sit your ass down. I keep okay. together. So it was, to, to me, it was probably the worst verses ever. And it really goes to show that when you don't have connection or chemistry with someone, mm-hmm. It kind of, it, you can tell because Ashanti was on her phone half the time. Keisha was on her phone. Ashanti, during Keisha's music, is getting her hair brushed. I'm like, what the hell? Even Swiss Beats came in and said, this is disrespectful. <laughs> but I think that the verse, I think that the verses, oh, and then Keisha gonna say, the, her, her DJ gonna say, the reason that she was late is because she didn't like that the screen was fuzzy. Excuse me? Keisha. Says, you're a performer. The show got to go on. Fuzzy or not fuzzy at eight o'clock. You better be on the stage. Right. Like you should be sitting down. Like I understand. Okay. Letting the DJ get everyone hype. But it got to the point where the DJ was like playing songs that they were supposed to be versing. But that's what it was about to say. I mean, the two of them are talented young women, of course. But... You know, I'm not sure that between the two of them that there's enough material to keep an audience that occupied for more than an hour. So it's like, like, why would you be so late and then come on and have this kind of disrespect? As I said, Ashanti seemed normal to me when she was doing it. Keisha seemed a bit off and I just kind of logged up because obviously it was very late here. Oh, everybody logged out. Like, and, everybody was like, I'm done. But to be honest with you, after their first postponed it, I was done with that. I wasn't really genuinely interested. I just so happened to tune in because it was, you know, oh, everybody was talking about it on Twitter. Because because you're 
you do a podcast, so you have to be interested in the latest and the greatest. I know, I get it. Yeah, but I get it. You said the latest and the greatest. They tr- they surely were the. Oh, I'm so I walked into that one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I walked those ladies right into exactly. that one. I'm sorry. <laughs> they surely were the latest. Come um, on back, Ashanti. Come on back, Keisha. Come on back, because I walked you into that trap. But I, I, I finally, even like when I watched the one with Patty Labelle and was my girl Gladys Knight. Oh, that was older. amazing. That was amazing. Even though Brandy and Monica had their odd moments, it was good watching them. But that girl, as you say, Keisha is she just has a weird attitude. And I know I remember a few years ago when everyone used to make a lot of jokes around her about not being invited to the Grammys and she was in the car park telling so clips and whatnot. I, I, I was sad that, for her. I thought that was fucked up. It was funny. It was funny, but, but it, was, it fucked was horrible. Up. Yeah, and but I remember a lot of it. A lot of people at that time commenting they don't really care if it sounds fucked up is because she has a nasty attitude. But I never actually did any research into her really. But well, everything seems to point to the fact that she does have this very cantankerous attitude. Well, me and her got into it on Twitter at one point. You're like, like not mm-hmm. got it, got not got into it like we was beefing. But I had said something about her, and she decided to respond back, talking mm-hmm. about something, something. It was something about how you could tell that she doesn't really. It was about her ex husband or whatever. Oh yeah. And I said something like you could tell that he is more in love with her. Some shit. Mm-hmm. And she was like, you think you know the whole story. Okay, Keish, come on. Bring it. I'm ready. You know, I'm always ready. Um, but yeah, that was our little moment. But I, you know, I still fuck with her music. Like, well. Yeah, her music is good. Her, music her, is her new song, I don't know. Ashanti's new song, I could fuck with because that actually sounds really good. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, they, they pretty much fucked it up um oh and sidebar mm-hmm. what cracked me up was ashanti playing ain't it funny from j-lo like it was her song i was like but here's the thing so people think that ashanti sung that whole song ashanti mm-hmm. sung background for vocals and yeah, got she, paid yeah, for not, it yeah you could clearly hear j-lo's nasal voice in the choruses <laughs> so Ashanti is just background vocals, but everyone's like, well, Ashanti sung the song. And it's only because they, people don't seem to understand what background singing is. A lot of people, artists, have sung background for various artists. Like, mm-hmm. there's a song um, from this group named Allure. I'm just trying to make sure I get it right. Mm-hmm. That was Mariah Carey's group. Mariah is singing background on one of them songs. Really? And you could clearly hear Mariah Carey's voice. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that was her group. Now, I could be wrong. And I, I'm, I'm, I'm always able to be st- stood corrected on if I, you know, mm-hmm. mess up. But as a Mariah Carey stan at the time, mm-hmm. I remember being so, like, e- excited because that was her group. And then hearing her in the background. So I was like, people need to understand back- what background vocals are. And she got paid. It's not like J-Lo stole the song. People right. always say J-Lo stole the song. No, Mar- uh, Shanti was singing background vocals. It's well, really not that, Some artists also sing songs. Um, they pay, they're paid to sing the song as a, exactly. demo, as a demo. So then the 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 artist who is actually going to release the song in the final form will either sing over the demo and the demo vocals become the background or they exactly. completely reconstructed. Or you'll have an artist that may have like only sing the chorus 
are only singing the verses, really, not the chorus, only singing the verses, but then the the choruses are all from the demo. So then that one person, like an Ashanti, her vocals mm-hmm. may only be on the chorus, whereas JLo's may be on the verse. And yeah. he will be paid and credited in the liner notes as a vocalist, but it's not that the song has been stolen from her or whatever. Um, Remember, that may have uh, been stolen for sure, but um, I think in the case of like the Ain't It Funny, it was literally just a case that that was a Shanti. Yeah, that was a literally a Shanti being put on. Yeah, <laughs> that was her moment because yeah. she was singing with Jennifer Lopez, so she was being put on. On, yeah. People think. Imagine my surprise when I'm when someone says, I've got proof Neo is gay. And I said, what? So they sent me a song that Neo is singing, but he's singing it as a woman. And I said, oh, but this is before I understood that artists sing demos. Demos, exactly. And a lot, a lot, of, male, a lot of male producers and artists will sing songs written yeah. for women. Um, it, yes. And that, because it really isn't, a, it's obviously not about the content. It's about the... It's about the style and the tone and, you know, the different riffs and the runs that they want that person to consider for their final version of the song. It's not about, obviously, well, we, you know, we can we can debate our our cast aspirations yeah. on neo-sexuality all day alone. But, yeah. I, you know, as you said, that, again, it comes down to people not understanding the music industry, to be honest. All right, so... Yeah. Quick shout out today. Well, not even shout out. Quick uh, condolences today to Larry King and Hank Aaron's family. Oh, yeah. uh, Larry and Hank have passed. Larry, the legend mm-hmm. um, of journalism, uh, passed away because of the Rona. Yeah. And Hank Aaron, thankfully, died peacefully. Yeah, seems two legends. Two legends in their careers. One baseball. The other just yeah. news. Um, a media and damn near Larry has interviewed everyone from Malcolm X to Kermit and Miss Piggy. Like he has been down the line. Uh, <laughs> Hank has over overcame many obstacles in his career in baseball during that time. You know, imagine being a talented black athlete and having to face the racism of, you know, basic white folks. I'm sure that was trials and, Trials and tribulations yeah, all in its own. Yeah. So, you know, many condolences to them. Mm-hmm. They will be missed, but they are in the history books and will continue to inspire future generations. Yeah. All right. Let's move on. Um, so whenever I ask Cousin Hybrid <laughs> to watch something, it's because I know he'll like it. And... I'm so excited that you decided to watch The Undoing oh, on HBO Max. And I was undone. You hit me up and you was like, now this is going to contain spoilers, Foxhole. So at yeah. this point going forward, fast forward. <laughs> yeah, okay, if you don't because want this is, it spoiled for you. Yeah, I don't want it to be spoiled for you. I want you to watch it. So from this point going forward and at this point... It is 2257. I suggest you fast forward now. (laughs) When you hit me up and you said, I know the sun did it. I could feel it. I know it. I could feel it. (laughs) Honestly, I said the same thing too when I was watching the show. I said, first I thought it was um, Nicole Kidman character. 
Oh, I was like, oh, oh, she's crazy. She mm. definitely did this. And then the son was acting very bizarre. And when the son saw the father and the whore kissing outside the school, mm-hmm. I was like, oh yeah, he probably had a he moment, had a followed her home, yeah, and bashed her head in because he didn't want his perfect family to be broken up. Boy, were we wrong? Listen. Honestly, when they when they messaged you, I had gone through the full. I had gone through the full range of emotion, the full range of suspicions, because I thought at first, whole whoever was the the writer and the and, and obviously the director of that series, they deserve all the awards they can get because by putting Nicole Kidman's memory, her not even her memories, what she was imagining the crime scene to be, into the into the actual um the the series because you were you remember like you would see her like kind of like having imaginations as to what yeah and that made it confusing in a sense because it was like is it that this woman is having flashbacks or is she imagining what the crime scene was so i was like wait a minute and i actually began to think that they were having a lesbian affair and it got uncovered and it turned into whatever it turned into right so that and was, then i was my first the- thing the part where she was walking the streets, I said, okay, well, exactly. clearly. But remember, this is season one of a series, so... Well, this all- is just season one and done. This is season- yeah, because is it is season one unfinished? Yeah, the show's over. You're kidding. Yeah, it was just a, it was just a limited series. No. Oh, my God. Well, what else are they going to do? I think it's over. Like, what else, what else do you think they could do the main they've not properly explained why the woman became so obsessed with nicole kidman and why she had such a realistic portrait of her in her basement i think that that's left up to interpretation i think what that was supposed to mean is that he the woman so he saved her son right i think it put her in a vulnerable state and usually when we're in a vulnerable state we have sex with people that we should not be having sex with either way she probably saw him as a godlike figure. Mm-hmm. So she got obsessed. And in her getting obsessed with him, she started to stalk the wife. So that's right. why, like, she was crazy. She was crazy. And it's almost like, can you even feel sorry for her? Because I she was sorry. doing just. Sure. I felt sorry for her at the end, but that, like, the whole murder scene, because it, you could tell. That oh, that was crazy. That was horrible. You could tell that she had like a mental. I think she had a mental breakdown because of the son, his illness, and that broke yeah. her. And then she ended up. She wasn't getting any kind of love or support from her husband, so she then ended up turning to this man who was, as you said, like that godlike complex or whatever. But my thing is, as what I thought there would have been more, as in. Not to this current series, as we thought there would have been a season two, even though it may have been a bit weird to kind of fill it up. But yeah, Nicole Kidman, her behavior towards the woman was also very strange. There was yes. also a sexual tension between them, and I couldn't figure it out. And it was like, why is there a sexual tension between them? And also, there was a point when the guy was in the um when Hugh Grant's character went to the guy's house with the baby and mm-hmm. the, the son. Mm-hmm. And it was like, the son looked super suspicious as if he had seen his father and Hugh Grant interacting like that with each other already. 
Mm-hmm. It wasn't completely alien or foreign to the child. There and the they, if you're if there was some person who had been accused of your wife's murder coming to your house in the middle of the night, barging in or walking in or taking free reign of the house, and, yes. you, and then you're like, would you like to hold her? The and the energy of the whole thing just felt a little off. So at one point, I began to wonder if all of them weren't in on killing her. Right. They all just walked in one by one. Yeah, bam. Like another person. Bam. Another yeah. person. Bam. And then <laughs> the part that wasn't explained as we also thought there would have been a season two. The when the when Hugh Grant's character went to the father for five hundred thousand dollars, they have not explained what the five hundred thousand dollars was for up to this point. Well, no. So what happened was that he got the money from the father because he got laid off and he had to make it look like he had a job. So every time he would get up and leave the house to go to work, he actually was going to see her and he was paying the bills with the $500,000. Because remember, he only got laid off about, he got fired like three months ago. You know what? So that was helping them keep it was afloat. Like half million dollars. Like seriously? And he lied. So let me tell you something. That show showed me mm. how people can manipulate you yeah. but the the brilliance of the show is that the killer manipulated the audience yeah we i was so we were manipulated. in it as well because he played his role so well mm-hmm. the writers wrote the role so well that it made you say well, he can't be the killer because we are used to plot twists. Yeah, and we were, and it was definitely banking on that little boy going to juvenile prison. And then when they found the hammer in his music case, I was like, <gasps> you know, I even thought at one point that the two little boys killed him, killed her. Right. Because it was like, probably that's why it was such a big thing at the school when, when the when Nicole Kidman's son was like, sorry, because it was like, is it that the two of them understand that they killed their that the woman together, like because one didn't want his family to be ripped apart, and the other one was so angry that his mother was doing this when his daddy is at home with the baby. Like it was like, what is going on? I had everybody to be home a quarter yesterday in that series. Well, I know one thing: I didn't have the the grandfather. That was that was my OG right there. But I, that I was love, my man. That was my man's. I love him. He knows how to gather was, someone. I love that lady when he was like, "I'm a cocksucker, but not in the sense of gay belittlement." An old-fashioned <laughs> traditional uh, <laughs> that made me so hard. <laughs> that was such a lame. I love, I love when somebody can deliver a devastating blow. <laughs> but it was like pure evil. It was like this man feels like a villain, but he's not. Right? He's not. No. But he, you know what? The the thing is, he literally understood. He saw through the husband because he, he saw through the husband he himself is a narcissist. That's right. The, that's so the whole the whole thing, as you said, it brings you back to human like human behavior and the human mind. Right. That's that's that's, that's the that's that's the topic. That's the topic of yeah. you know people like just yeah. how he was acting. He literally was doing everything to show that he was the killer like the the fucking hammer was at the house the beach house he left and left his phone like he lied and said he was going somewhere and he didn't show up like those are the things that he know in a way he was the murderer with but at the same time put on a damn good show that he wasn't 
And that's the thing with narcissists. They will yeah. sit up here and put on a mask and will, like, he literally threw his son under the bus. Oh, that was, that's when they started to realize he was up to something. Because it was like, there's no way that they're going to reveal the clock this early. That's when they knew something was wrong. Exactly. When that happened, that taught me, wow, people are so good at manipulation. And here's the thing. Yeah. One of the things that people don't understand about narcissism is that one of their biggest traits mm -hmm. is turning everybody against you. Yeah. So they will make ruin your reputation because they want to build up their reputation. Yeah. So they will talk all of this mess about you and have you out here looking crazy to the point that when you even try to defend yourself, mm -hmm. you can't. And you know what? Because they're good at that. And they're that has happened to me. Isolating you. They're very good at isolating you. Because yes. even if they're not turning other people against you actively, what they do, they try to consume so much of your life that you you're never far away from them and you end up being a satellite to them. And yes. There's there's really no way to get away from them. And I, there, there are lots of people who walk around and narcissists. And the one thing about narcissists is that anybody who tells you, oh, I have narcissistic tendencies is not a narcissist. A narcissist is no. who are the quiet monsters. They will have no they will have no no problem going before a court of law and saying that they're not a narcissist despite all of the evidence. And that to me, that is absolutely terrifying. It's terrifying. Now there's a, a clip of a video I saw mm. and it gave, it made me break out in hives. I had to go like lather myself in aloe. Oh, it was a clip mm. of a guy in corp, two guys in corporate America. Right. And they're both doing that thing that oh, they, God. that we have to do in fucking corporate. Oh. And let me tell you something. I don't miss corporate with this nonsense. The email games of corporate fucking America and the fucking narcissists that are behind those emails. Listen. Like, oh my God, can can we, can you throw like three phrases in an, that we have to, that we usually use in emails for corporate that it's like, it's almost like they're etch-a-sketched in your brain. The first one, the first one that all, and you always know that this is some person coming, they're just trying to be polite, but they really don't care is, I hope this email finds you well. Oh, I want you. Oh God, just cut it out. Over. I don't. You don't care about me. I don't care about you. you. Don't know your family. You don't know my family. So let's just cut it out. <laughs> so you know, oh God, and, that line. And then the email is almost always an inflammatory, aggravating email. So it's like you did not hope that this email found me well. You hope that this email will come. And splinter a hundred feet above my building. I shatter all of the windows and destroy everything and leave a radiation. Oh, yes. Years. You didn't care. So I don't yes. care about this email finds you well. That's one. The second <laughs> one is as per my last email. Oh my god. I will get to you when I am All right, the hives are coming. Let me get the let me get the aloe. <laughs> right? As per my previous Ugh. email is passive aggressive. I use as per my as per my last email when I want to really drive it home to some person who is being an irresponsible and like blame shifting freak. I just uh, you know, my last email 
Like that one really that one pisses me off if it's used against me and they know that I'm right. I will uh, go down hard for you that I am going to make sure that you are embarrassed by the end of this email. Um uh, the oh what what other one is the other one there other ones that are very annoying. The last one that is personally very annoying to me that I've seen uh-huh. I see a lot in my side of corporate is oh we look forward to your usual cooperation in this matter is like oh that's uh, that's snarky that's sassy and snarky it's that's sassy and snarky. exactly because it's basically saying you don't really have a choice because i'm the ceo of the company i'm asking you to do something so there's no we welcome your usual cooperation there's no cooperation in corporate is <laughs> is and it is an order you're giving me a you're giving me a directive so just cut it out just say hey can you do this for me please I need a uh, just you it. are speaking truth today that's what i mean that is the shit i'm talking about so that's the pretty it. vixen is the one who sent me the original video because yeah. it came from the shade room yeah. and she was like she was like i know you're going to relate to this shit as i do so when yeah, she said it, it to me definitely had it harder than i did so you definitely would know i was like what and I remember <laughs> the Keisha Cole, that like the Keisha Cole song, I remember. Yeah. <laughs> that was what played in my set. I remember when my heart broke when I read the fucking email because it's like, why don't you just say, hey, Jamari, that email that I sent you last week on Tuesday, can you just send it back to me, please? What is so hard about that hey, than sending you. those fucking condescending goddamn emails? Listen, my last boss at my job used to do that shit all the time. And I'm going to throw in a bonus. Yeah. You ready for the bonus? Let me get this bonus. I could not fucking stand when you open up the goddamn email and they done um, replied all or added the VP or somebody above them. Oh, my God. Just so that they can fuck trap you up in something. Because once you see an oftentimes email, oftentimes they're the ones that are wrong. So it's, right, oftentimes they're. I, you know how many people I've had to embarrass, and you were, and they ended up looking stupid. And I was right because it was like you're telling me that I sent you an email. I did send you a fucking email. If you weren't too busy being a goddamn micromanager, you would have saw the fucking email. <laughs> fucking doofus. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm triggered. I'm triggered. <laughs> I'm triggered. Um, and that's why I'm here, like breathing, because I'm like. How much can they say? <laughs> right, right. Oh, you can't Lord. say a lot because you're still employed. I can say a lot because I'm not at this moment. But yeah. one thing about me and those emails, I don't. And the thing that really bugs me is that then you'll come up to me in person and be all smiley. Like me and you oh, didn't God. just have a fucking Game of Thrones throwdown in the fucking email earlier. <laughs> So, Jabari, so how was your weekend? And it's like, (laughs) bitch, I don't want to talk about my fucking weekend. I want to talk about the fact that you just tried to fuck me in a goddamn email. How about we talk about that, you slithering snake? Like, ugh. Yeah. So, that in itself is a form of manipulation. And there are lots of narcissists that hide in, in, in the corporate world, like in plain sight. Yes, and, and they, that's why that is so where they have their fun. Yeah, and that's why so many environments are so toxic. It's not because humans are invariably toxic creatures. It's because there are lots of narcissists. There are lots of people who are 
narcissistic and they're people who are psychophants who are the ones that will just follow them off the cliff edge because they think that being so close to these charismatic god-tiered people in their minds is going to get them somewhere and you just right. end, you just end up especially if you're some person like us you know how straightforward we are i don't got the time for foolishness i barely i barely have patience for my own self let alone anybody else so it's like when people come with this kind of like flowery nonsense i i just like look ask me what you want to ask me don't ask me about my weekend because it's not your business i don't care about your weekend for sure so just be polite and asking me what you want if we build a relationship out of this which goes beyond work it has to be genuine it's not going to come through as you said passive aggressive you know bullshit corporate speak like i just don't have the time right i just don't have the time. here's here's a secret about jamari fox mm. is there something i something about you that i don't know Oh, there's so much that you don't know. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to leave that for my memoirs. <laughs> um, Jamari Fox operates better with being direct, being upfront, mm-hmm. being honest, mm-hmm. and having proper communication. That's it. Like you said, I don't give a fuck what you did this weekend. I don't care if you went fishing. I don't care if you spend on 20 nope. dicks at a sex party. I don't care if you nope. dressed up as Bozo the Clown to go and host fucking um, Biden's, mm-hmm. you know, inauguration party. I don't care. Mm-hmm. What Especially do you need me to do? Right. My last job, the thing that used to piss me off with them, first of all, Endless fucking meetings about nothing. There is a fucking meme going around with Bernie Sanders. And one of my favorites was, this could have been an email. This could have been a fucking email. You could have just told me this bullshit in an email. Two paragraphs, let's get it done. Why do we have, like, and then the thing is, so I was, my position was at the front desk. Mm -hmm. So why is it that I have to get up, go around to the back? There's nobody at the front desk. The fucking killer could have came in and murder all of us. (laughs) So I am back there fucking lollygagging. And all they're talking about is nonsense. And half the time it's like, I'm doing from what, from what I dealt with, because here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I can only speak on how what I my my situation. Well, your they can say whatever. It sounds very similar to my situation, and I mean, we were in two entirely different spaces, two entirely different countries. Like, right, you know. And but my thing is, someone can say something about us and say, "Oh well, cousin didn't do his job, or cousin didn't respond to emails, or cousin didn't do this." Mm-hmm. But you have to understand that you're in the position of power and you're in the position of control and you are also in a position of abuse. Mm -hmm. So you could say that I didn't do something because the problem with work is that we're dealing with so many various personalities and a lot of these personalities don't realize they're crazy as fuck. So when they're in positions of power, that crazy comes out tenfold. Mm -hmm. That psychopath comes out tenfold. That narcissist comes out tenfold. Mm -hmm. This week, and this is how I know change is coming. (laughs) 
It's on the horizon. It's I see it in the mountains. I see it. the gleam. That's not, that's, not that that's not like one of those um, spiritual songs. Change is coming. <laughs> Change is coming now. Change is coming now. Change's gonna come today, and we gonna shine all the way. Like, first of all, that was a song that I've created in my head. Thank you very much. That's called "A Change Gonna Come at This Fucking Job," sung by the Harlem Boys Choir. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but Biden did something this week mm-hmm. and I said to myself I hope that this creates change especially at my last job mm. but creates change at every job Biden said that if he finds out that any of his staff mm. or anybody that is working under like working in direct whatever staff it could be staff anyone mm. on his staff and he finds out that they have treated someone bad, they are nasty, they are giving attitude, they're basically abusing their employees, they are fired on the spot. He doesn't care. He said this out loud for the country to hear. They will be fired on the spot because that orange fucking Boba Fett that was in, I I think I used the wrong word, but I don't know. (laughs) Something huge and gigantic, and that word seems to encompass that. You know the one you mean? I can't remember his name. The one from Star Wars? Yeah, that was was always like knocking. Jabba the Hutt. Jabba the Hutt. There we go. That fucking orange Jabba the Hutt. I don't even know what a Boba Fett is. It came to my head. Boba Fett is the uh, the bounty hunter. Okay, no, he is not a bounty hunter. (laughs) Uh, So Jabba the Hutt created such a toxic work environment, which I cannot wait to hear the stories of all of those people that worked at the White House. But that fool created such a toxic environment that now Biden has to turn everything around. What what they, what corporate America needs to do, mm-hmm. instead of, and this is a big problem I see at jobs. Yeah. The person in charge is a favorite. So they're allowed to be abusive because they're a favorite. You shouldn't be fa- you shouldn't be allowed to be an asshole because you're cool with the v- the one of the VPs and they got you the job yeah. or they're cool with the CEO you came in there. Like you're you, like how unconnected you are as a CEO or whatever from your company that you don't realize that people are getting abused. Hmm. Why are we coming to work to deal with abuse? To go home, to be stressed, to get a whole bunch of health problems, gain weight and all this other nonsense so I can be a cog in your company. Excuse me? What? And So I'm that- glad that Biden even said that mm-hmm. for the American public. Uh, hell, everywhere. He said that so that people can get their shit together. I'm very passionate about this, by the way. <laughs> No, it's because as you can tell. It's because these, as you said, these these companies are products of. Remember, our modern our modern Western world is capitalist. Mm-hmm. Capitalism mm. in its capitalism in itself is not an evil structure, but the way that capitalism evolved in the West is please mm. excuse the um. <laughs> the um the dishwasher and, and being very domestic while i'm on this podcast but that's okay listen i was eating a whole couple of hash browns that's, keep, on, that's keep right. talking you're well, bringing it so capitalism 
in our, in this corner of the world is developed along the lanes of what would have been a very white supremacist colonial structure. Our mm-hmm. capitalism in the West literally evolved out of slavery. You remember mm. the first companies and corporations and, and, and mega corporations in the Western world would have been based on trade across the Atlantic, and that trade in the Atlantic was powered by slavery. Yeah, tobacco and cotton and sugar and rum, those things came along as well, but those were the byproducts of slavery. So as our world, as our Western world became more and more influential because you then had superpowers like America and Britain and France and and these different European powers, then kind of rising up as the leaders of the world Mm. because they then had Mm. massive economies based on the exploitation of people. The type of capitalism that then took over the entire world was one where you have to exploit people in order to get things. So even though slavery Mm. has long ended for Africans and African diaspora, even though it Mm. ended in in writing, the entire Mm. world operates off of that exploitative structure still. So that is why in order for a group of people to be valued and respected and given rights and priority in a social sense, if you mm-hmm. ever realize it, there's always some kind of research from a business say that says, oh, do you know the value of the African-American is X and X amount billion? Do you know mm-hmm. that the value of the gay community is X and amount billion? You only get to become a valuable part of society that needs to be respected and, and given rights once you mm. demonstrate that you are worth X amount, billion, or trillion to an economy. is because mm. that comes from the fact that at some point in time, the entire structure of capitalism that we know today was based on the fact that unless you were able to be bought and sold or were a value, an economic value, a dollar value to your owner in inverted commas, you meant nothing. So, these companies that spring up, I'm not saying all of them are bad, and some of them do a really good job at trying to turn that around and still kind of operate within the capitalism that we know today. But a lot mm-hmm. of these companies, they will see you as a means to an end. And it's the worst. I, you're, I can tell you, there are people within my corporation, I re- never forget it. This lady, she dropped dead on a training station. Oh. Yeah, dead, as in like, permanently permanently erased from the record dead just gone like gone. just vanished into thin air but not really because they're on the floor not moving or conscious anymore she dropped dead in a training session they flew her body back to the to the island they buried mm-hmm. her and before she was in the church for her funeral they had and they had two interviews two interview rounds already in to replace her and she had not been that's dead. like that mean she had not been dead for 10 days that's that meme of these jobs don't care about you and they will have your position up and you're still being and you're like still in the morgue. You're still being embalmed. And the thing about yeah. it is, is that obviously it is, we, we are animals at the end of the day and you, obviously a, a corporation cannot just come to a, a screeching halt because one person has died. But when you look at the when you look at the lead up, the behavior, the treatment, the the kind of the, the antagonism that that one person because I, if I I mean it's unlikely that um her family are going to because they were they were all older people she was like the youngest of the lot and she died at fifty three but 
and it's not likely that they're going to be listening into this. So I could kind of give you a bit of a background to her. And this kind of ties into what you were saying and how, how toxic it is. The reason she ended up then at this training session was that she took in sick, physically ill. And she, mm. she put her health on the back burner because for years, she was the person saying that she wanted the company to do more in terms of employee development and training them and training her and whatnot. And they completely ignored her for years. They, can't, they, can't, they, they branded her as a complainer. They branded her as a nag. They branded her as some person who's always whinging and wincing or whatever. And when mm. you gave her the opportunity, they gave her the opportunity in kind of a backhanded way, like, oh, you're always complaining about training. So here is this training, and you better not fail. That was essentially what it was. But at the same time, mm. she was actually physically sick. And she then mm. put her health on the back burner, foolishly so, because her mind, in her mind, she was saying, if she does not go to this training, it is going to legitimize their toxic attitude towards her that she is a complainer. I know that they've given her the opportunity. She squandered it. And she went on that training. Mm. And within 24 hours of going on the training, she was dead. You know, this is why I've noticed that there's people in corporate mm -hmm. that jobs in general. Yeah. But corporate is a discussion of. Yeah. So I've noticed that there's people that will bust their ass, do everything the boss wants them to do, yeah. come into work, don't take a day off for themselves, literally a asset to the company mm -hmm. and get treated the worst. But the ones who literally do what they want, come in whatever they want, say whatever they want, those are the ones that seem to become the VPs of the world. It's really interesting, the dynamic. And it's almost like, it's like, what do you give your all at these jobs because at my last job i gave my all mm -hmm. oh, yeah. and yeah. i re i remember people coming to me and saying oh they'll never get rid of you because you're amazing like they will never get rid of you you are absolutely amazing and like we like you literally turned this job around like they will never and i was at that time before even months before of getting let go that was my fear because it wasn't that I was doing a bad job. It was realistically, I was working with an alleged narcissist or an alleged sociopath or an alleged something or working under, she was working underneath the demon at the top who to me was, had no empathy for anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? And yes, there was times like I, like there was times I had to come out of work for a week and I'm gonna I'm gonna drop a secret that I kept to myself. I had there was times that I had such bad anxiety mm -hmm. that there was a moment, there was one moment that I woke up crying, crying, mm -hmm. and I could not stop crying. And it was like my spirit did, my body just did not want me to go to work. I was literally bawling. And honestly, I stayed home. Like I had to stay home. Like they, yeah. they made me stay home because they, I didn't tell them that it was because of anxiety. I told them I was sick or something, but mm -hmm. those people were so abusive and they didn't realize what they were doing to me. And that I was the story of many. Right. And the part that was really hurtful is that these are black folks. Oh. Like these are like, you would expect this from white folks, but these are my people. 
the place that I thought was a little community, I have come to realize in 2021 was not. I think the other mistake we sometimes made with people is because oh they black so they gonna treat us good. About to say this may come off Oh, I'm always gonna be I'm always gonna be 110. percent Yeah, they're black so they're gonna treat us good. No, they're no. not. And not all of us. I, I'm saying and and I think what we as what we as humans need to remember is that race and it's something that we that was discussed not very long ago. Race is a mm-hmm. social construct that has existed for centuries. Yes, and it was, and a lot of it was pushed in modern contexts in order to, when we had the transatlantic again to go back to the history books, when we had transatlantic slavery, in order to justify the horrors of transatlantic slavery, black people had to be considered an inferior race in white capitalist, imperialist societies. That was the mm. only way that it would have settled. That is the only way that it would have sat down easily in the minds of these people in the seventeenth century and the eighteenth century that they were essentially funding pirates to go to countries and rip children and women and, and men out of their countries, beat them to death and mm. throw them off the board. That was, that was mm. why the entire thing of race science came up to make black people appear to be inferior and no better than mm. a cow or a horse. That was, the whole, that was the whole reason for it, especially in the modern context. But what we fail to understand I've, is that all humans, regardless of their skin color or their sexual orientation or their religion or anything, all humans are animals. When, yes. you, when you go into an environment, because they're all black people, it does not mean that because I look like you, that I am going to care about you. It does not mean that because I look like you, that I am not a raging narcissist. I mean, we can take a look at, remember the whole summer of uprisings across the world in response to George Floyd's murder and then all of the, the, the kind of backlog of of injustice against black people across the world. But then when mm. you looked within the black community, within a few weeks of George Floyd being killed, there was a viral video of a transsexual um, woman in America being beaten by a gang of black men. She's black too, but mm-hmm. she's being singled out and beaten because she's trans. So, again, I'm sure in the, the kind of overarching environment at the time, which was that black people need to stay together for their rights, here, mm-hmm. was, here was a trans sister being beaten, almost killed, by black men. So can I say like, a co- So it's like, we can't expect anything from anybody unless we can vouch for their character. And I think this is the whole point of this podcast today, is that people... Mm-hmm. People will dominate each other to their own injury. That is the human animalistic nature. What we have uh, to evolve beyond is that animalistic nature to dominate each other because no race is superior, no sexuality is superior, no religion yeah. is superior, but yeah. it's that animalistic drive that we have to work on. And that cannot be achieved en masse. That can only be achieved but enough people looking at one another and looking at themselves and saying, I want to work with you. We'll never always agree. We will never I'm gonna, all agree. I'm going to say a controversial statement. Mm. I find that most black people, black folks, mm-hmm. I said black people like I'm not black. Most black folks mm-hmm. or operate with a level of crab in the ba- barrel mentality mm-hmm. within us. Because yeah. that is 
how we that is literally what the slave masters did to us yeah because so you, you, they remember we we have we have generational trauma as a result of being being cast into a world where everything for black people was something was was lack there was never mm-hmm. enough. you're not you didn't have access to it so if you only had two if you only had two cornfields oh this is deep to feed 10,000 slaves right mm-hmm. and those slaves no matter how hungry they were if they would dare to go into any of those cornfields to get corn for their food you know even though it was it is known and accepted that the that everything on earth must eat they would mm-hmm. be killed they would be punished in the most horrible way so we mm. operate from a place of lack and we operate from a place of survival and a lot of our communities and even black countries continue to operate from a place a lot and survival so that's why and they think that black people have that disadvantage against them but that is a social and psychological construct because what we then turn on ourselves because it's like well i only have so much and there's only so much to go around so i am going to try my best to dominate again that word dominate in there again I'm going to try my best to dominate my neighbor because if I am selling corn, she mm-hmm. can't sell corn too because there's only enough money for one, one person out here to be selling corn. And that so, that attitude has come down not just in the last 20 years. That's 400 years of that. Right. Yeah. So for me, as a healthy person, mm-hmm. I like to think I'm mentally healthy at times. But... Mm-hmm. One of the things that I was told about me at my last position was that allegedly, and it could be wrong, but allegedly there was a jealousy about me because I Mm. came in and everyone liked me and I related Mm. with everyone. That's just my personality. For me, if you came, if I was your manager and you came into my job as a talented black individual, and I know that you're going to bring something to the table, you are automatically an asset here. So if mm-hmm. you came in and you were in my position at that last position yeah. and people liked you and you were trying to make the job better, mm-hmm. I would have kept you as the front face and the front line because you are bringing something to the table which leaves a lot of pressure off of me. I knew how to talk to everyone. Everyone trusted me with things, secrets, whatever the case may be. They spoke to me. A lot of the things that I did was to try to change the morale of the office. Mm -hmm. So for me as a boss, and I'm seeing that, oh, I'm going to make sure that you keep doing that because whatever you're doing is working. Mm -hmm. And that's the problem with some blacks. Whatever that's, when something is working, you got to break it. (laughs) I'm going to say it one more time. Whenever something is working, some of us got to break it. Stew on that for a little while. I my, I think what... I think We got to go to commercial soon, so we got to... I think what it really is, is that we have... Because it's not just the... It's not just crabs in the barrel pulling down, but it's also look at me. I, everybody is trying to outshine the next person. Everybody mm. one up the next person because there's just too much ego, not natural healthy ego, but too much unchecked, unhealthy ego. Because again, 
there's only so much sense that can go around and i need to be the best shining example i need to outshine everybody else i need to be the i need to be the creme de la creme and push everybody aside and it's all about me is the me show so that is that unfortunately is no longer just a black issue that is now a global issue because we now live in a world where everything is about platforms and being the best and being the most and having the most followers and having the most shine and clout and all this bullshit. And while all of that may have a place, when it comes into your everyday life and actually affects how you interact with other people and view other people and it, it starts to erode your empathy, it then becomes a psychological problem en masse. All right. So I like that you said platform. We're going to get into that okay. after this commercial break. All right. I was just trying to do it and it hurt my knee. <laughs> <laughs> my knees and how they used to be. I can't, y'all. I can't get down the way I used to. Oh my god. Not my knees. Anyway, we're not going there. So <laughs> yeah. there is a new challenge that I keep wondering, would these challenges even exist if there was a last, if there was no Rona? Probably not. No. Um, there is a new challenge out called the Busset Challenge, where it starts off with vixens, I guess, looking normal or looking regular or, you know, whatever, like <laughs> their regular, regular every, regular degular life. Mm-hmm. And then when the beat drops, they're full-fledged, look at me, I know how to write a good dick. Mm-hmm. So, by, you know, twerking. Yeah. In a nice outfit. I'm going to drop a controversial statement, as I always do. You know, I think that my career, I'm going to be known as the big mouth. <laughs> <laughs> because I always, I try to say things in a respect. it's a respectful way, but I also try to say things to make sure that we get the point across. Like, mm-hmm. I'm going to say something that's probably going to be controversial. That's either going to make you think, mm-hmm. make you angry, but it's going to give you a reaction. Right. So I'll be known as the big mouth. And I'm fine with that because I have a big mouth. Right. Um, physically, really. <laughs> um, but my controversial statement is, isn't this just letting trifling ass males know that you know how to fuck? And you know how to write a dick. So more than likely, they're not hitting you up to take you out on a date. They're pretty much hitting you up to groom you into fucking them and then doing the typical Negro games that most or fuckboy games that because well, I'm coming from a black space, but mm-hmm. fuckboy games that most males play. Isn't this just just opening the door for fuckery? These this challenge or challenges similar to twerking or just showing your body or whatever the case may be. Isn't that just that? Well, I have two sides of it. No. Let let's go. I I don't I am I personally when I saw the whole Basset challenge, I personally didn't have a problem with it at first. I just kind of was watching it like, oh this is this is cute. These girls Because it's usually some very sexy, you know, even though I might be gay, and, I yeah. I there's some sexy women that I'm like, okay. Right. I'm not if really, I was straight, I'd yeah, get your DMs. Exactly. So for me, it was really the transformation because it was always a woman always like in her like home where 
or looking exactly looking at extremely frumpy or dirty or whatever, and then just the, the turn the transformation. So I always thought it was about the transformation as opposed to the demonstration that you can have sex because I'm sure half of these women have been having sex for for years. Um, so I, I does not what I thought it was at first. Um, then I saw there was a section on Twitter where, you know, there's always a dark section under a dank, mossy cave where there were men. Listen, sometimes those sections are interesting because in- you're seeing perspectives in- from perspectives some real crazy people. <laughs> so then it was essentially what you were saying. There were actually these men who were like, and it's always weird. Like, don't get me wrong. Sometimes you're scrolling and you'll see a man on Twitter or Instagram. You'll be like, Lord Jesus. But you don't need mm. to, you don't need to demonstrate that you are an imbecilic animal by okay. being so rude and offensive and like completely disrespectful. And there was I, I started to see a lot of those comments. So again, what started off as perhaps as just like this generation's Macarena because they have nothing to do. Everything is locked down. Everything is under siege. So I just figured that it was something to be entertaining where women showed their transformation and a bit of their Mm -hmm. sexuality. But no, it's gone to a place where, as usual, predatory men who have no place or no sense of time or or reason have banished them to death. Yeah. So I don't think there's anything wrong with women doing it because there's the big bank, what well, the big bank challenge where men are doing it and showing us their their bums and I'm like, oh, you know. okay, so that's what that's called. Yes, the big the big bank challenge. And so, but here's my thing: mm-hmm. so males are straight males are doing this challenge. Yeah, but then they get all confused when gay males are in their DMs talking about, so you gonna do that on my dick? You know what I mean? Like, but again, this is the thing. There are some straight males who are doing this and are gay baiting, like the flash my weeds and all of them of the world. Oh my god! Oh god! Let's not get into it, <laughs> right? But there are lots of other podcasts. That's a whole. That's a podcast by itself, in fact. And the okay. this so there are lots of straight males who are aware that they are attractive to a gay audience, mm. but again. They're the they're idiots on both sides. They're the ones who will do it, and then if a man comments with like hard eyes or whatever, they'll suddenly become homophobic. It's like, what did you expect? You're showing men you're behind, which is the size of the moon. And what would you expect is going to happen if gay men who are attracted to bums or have a thing for bums? What do you think is going to happen? The same thing is going to happen. Bums. The same very UK, very UK, UK very UK. You know, I don't. <laughs> we try to keep it very posh over here, um, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's like. So to me, it's like, what do you expect? There's there's a whole cross, there's a whole subsection of men who objectify women in a heterosexual perspective that you have no concern or no qualms with. You're probably one of them, but know that you're mm-hmm. doing it. Suddenly, it is it, like you have to be homophobic. So there's an idiot side on that, but then there's also the point of, you know, how do we really behave online? Where where is too far? You take okay. like, wow, that you know you're sexy and just keep it moving on lane is fine. But then when you're like, I want you to bounce, twit, twerk, flip, and like, mm. lick my balls, like when it goes down that oh. lane, is like what is happening? All right, so I'm gonna throw in something that happened because we are this this discussion is moving so good that mm. I'm just like having chills. I love it when shit like this happens. So 
there was a Fox mail that I got in my DMs a while ago that I finally answered. I'm going to read mm-hmm. it for you oh, Lord. because it literally, it's kind of, it's synergetic to what we're talking about. Hopefully synergetic is a word. Um, so it goes like this. So the Fox mail that was sent to me, the, DM, the DMs. And by the way, Foxhole, if you want to send me a Fox mail for me to give advice or to even answer on this podcast, send me an email. Go to my contact section on InsideJamariFox.com and send it away. Anyway, the Fox mail goes, what would you do if you paid $150 for a custom video OnlyFans? The creator agreed to actually make it, but still hasn't delivered 72 hours later. I initially requested a refund, but then he agreed to make it but has not responded to my latest message. When am I going to get the video I paid for? I was such a huge fan, but now I'm starting not to like him at all. And I'm wondering, should I continue asking for my money back or chalk it up to a loss? More context. He has 17 posts. Nine of them are video clips that are less than 15 seconds long. A few of the posts are modeling pics. And the last of them are similar to Facebook statuses asking his subscribers to request custom videos. So I requested a custom video and explicitly stated what I wanted to see, then asked how much that would be. He responded that it would cost $150, and I said, okay. I sent the money, but he never delivered. His most recent response of an OnlyFans is him reiterating that he doesn't do ass play and that he can submit a video of him jacking off only. But in my initial request, asked him to spread his ass open on camera and bust a nut in the video. Sorry. Okay. I need you to... This is serious. Sorry. Okay. Okay. This is serious. And I'm going to hit you with a Kamala. <laughs> I'm going to hit you with a Kamala. Let's have a conversation. Let's have a conversation. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> like, that's my favorite line. I love saying that nowadays. Let's have a conversation. <laughs> Ever since she said it on that debate, yep. let's have a conversation. Okay. Okay. So let's have a conversation. Let's what do you think about that? Because this is all going in the lines of what is happening online right now. And with OnlyFans. What do you think about that? I already answered it. What do you think about it? Listen, you want me to be nice or you want me to be mad? Honestly, you know what it is? What I want from the foxhole and what I want to provide for the world in my world, mm-hmm. or even if people ask me, I always want to be honest. And if honest has to come with the dragging, mm-hmm. it's going to be a respectful dragging, but I'm still going to tell you the truth. Yeah. I don't want to sugarcoat your feelings because at the end of the day, what is that doing? Exactly. That's only making you go like what you said last week. That's only thinking that it's okay for you to do this. And this potentially is not okay. No. So I always want to be very upfront and honest because if you come to me and ask for advice, I don't care about your feelings. Even if we are good friends, Yeah. I don't care about your feelings because at the end of the day, I want to see you do better. That's my role in your life, to see you do better and to pull out the pom-poms and cheer you on. And the moment that you don't do well on the field, hmm. oh, I'm going to pull you to the side and we're going to have a little team meeting. We're going to have a conversation. <laughs> and then you're going to get your ass out there and you're going to do better. So go. What is your thoughts on that? No, I can't tell anybody what to do with their money, especially 150 okay. US dollars. Of I'm almost frightened. Go. But there is a deeper problem at hand when you are willing to when when you are willing to give away some because money is power your money is power you've earned your money however 
mm-hmm. and you're giving your power over to some person who is exploitative. The fact that a lot of these people, and I bet you, if we if we trace back to whoever this person is that is supposed to have done the custom video, is one of these straight men who are gay baiting, who will gladly walk past. I mean, and, and here's the thing: yeah. I saw what he looked like, and he's super basic. <laughs> like, but he wasn't someone that I'm like, oh, okay. Still, I'm not paying you $150, but I would like to see what you look like having sex. But like, he's super basic. So, so my thing is, is that well, beauty is in the eye of the beholder. But true. I, but my thing is, very true. Like, but paying for a service. And, but the thing is, pornography. But then again, beauty is in the bite. So you find the person attractive. So let me not. I'm not gonna diss you. The person found the person attractive. Right. Okay, cool. Because I'm I I currently find someone attractive that people will be like. Yeah. Go. <laughs> for me, p- pornography is a very slippery slope because pornography, pornography behaves like a drug. It yes, it addresses something deeper. It is it is not that humans are not wired to ha- need pornography. It's not water. It's not food. It's not sleep. So a lot of people are turning to OnlyFans. The creators are turning turning to OnlyFans as a source of income because things are hard right now economically playing. But what they're also doing is preying on people who mm. have, and I'm not saying that your your fault solar has some kind of psychological issue that is deep and like distorted or whatever. But there is obviously something that he is craving on a deeper level that mm. this for for you to pay a think of it 150 fucking US dollars just to see a man spread his bum cheeks and ejaculate on camera like. I'm sure that is somewhere online for free. I'm sure even the quit YouTube. Oh my god! But you know what I think it is? I think it's you want to see that person doing it. But wait, you can you can find so many videos like that, but you want to see your fantasy doing that. That's but that's what I'm saying. Like, so for me, you have given away your power to this person, but this person has there's no they have no obligation to you. You have Mm. so it's kind of like. It, it then it then begs the question of what are you, what what are, what's the void that you're willing to fill that you're willing to spend so much money? There are people in America know literally fighting for stimulus checks. Mm. I've at fifty dollars. It's fifty dollars short of one tenth of a stimulus check. I, mm-hmm. So it's kind of like to me, your priorities are very very out of place, and the guy is obviously a manipulator and obviously a, a crook and a criminal. But then at the same time. You DMing some person on OnlyFans or whoever it works and asking them for a for a custom video is not illegally binding contracts, but he doesn't have to provide anything to you. You are just it, to me it it just reeks of irresponsibility. I can't tell you what to do with your money. I can't tell you what to desire in terms of pornog- pornographic content. But it's like you have to use your brand in this situation. He does yeah. not owe you anything. You are the person who have come and phoned him and paid him to pay to see him do whatever he does online, and then you you have taken it a step further, and but there's no there's no real agreement because at the end of the day it is a vice. It really is a vice. It's the same thing as doing something for the thrill of it. There's no there's a risk attached to it. So I think people need to be a little bit more careful because the people on OnlyFans, the the same, they're they're not a regulated body. You know, sex okay. workers are not a regulated body. There's no, there's no you know association of American prostitutes for for a better America. There's nothing like that. So you, it, oh my God, like for me, 
being 100% honest, $150 US dollars is a lot of money for some person who has children and need to buy groceries and all that kind of stuff in the economic world that we live in right now. Right. Wasting that money just to see nonsense, men doing nonsense stuff online is... It does the mindset of some person who either does not have any priorities or some person who has a deeper issue and is using pornography to, to, to fill that void, to plug that hole. I, you know, um, sorry. I don't think... Huh? I said, are using pornography to plug that hole? Pardon the pun. You know, I'll be honest with you. I'm the type of person, and this is why I can't have... I can't spend $150 on a video. Nope. I have this thing, not, so uh, let me rephrase. The way how I'm set up, yeah, I have to be really attracted to you mm-hmm. to want to keep fucking you. So if I see a video of someone doing something like that, that to me is going to be a one and done. Like I literally spent $150 to see that video one time. I'm not going to watch that video continuously mm-hmm. because the way how my horny is set up, I like to experience different things. Oh, it's set up. <laughs> right. So my, you know, when I am full-fledged horny mm-hmm. and I want to find a video that's going to turn me on, some days I'm interested in watching Missionary, other days I'm watching somebody getting pounded from the back, another day I'm watching writing, another day I'm watching, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like it just goes in different flows. Mm-hmm. So for me to spend $150 on a video that I'm just going to watch one time. No, that. Yeah, no. No. No, that just, to me, that. It just doesn't. Just no. It just doesn't, it, it doesn't make any sense to me. It just, like, don't get me wrong. I, I mean, I have, I have specific tastes as well. And I, I, I would not, mm-hmm. I would not say that I would outlaw OnlyFans for people using OnlyFans or, or any kind of porn. I mean, we've all gone to porn sites before, but it's like mm. when it starts to, when it starts to numb your perception that $150 is actually a grocery shop, I, it become it's, it's a problem. I mean, and some person, like I told my reader. Yeah, some person manipulating you to pay them $150 and withholding it. I think this is a very good lesson for you to kind of put yourself, put things in perspective and get some priorities in place. You know what I think too? A lot of gay males have a lot of like expendable income. Yeah, they, because it, well, it's assumed that they don't have as many uh, responsibilities, which, yes. which is true in a sense. Which is, but, which is true. But you could take that $150 and do something productive or do something to treat yourself you could go book a trip to fucking mexico jamaica dr and go get you some real dick from somebody who's going to really fuck you or really spread their ass open and jerk off on your face while your face is in their bum but even you know even beyond that there's so much to in this world where everybody is screaming and showing it but we have to do more for each other donate that money to some cause like Use your imagination. Is it that hard to imagine some person spreading the cheeks? Is it that hard? Right. And God forbid they spread their cheeks and they got dingleberries up there. I'm going to be super fucking annoyed that I paid $150 to see the goddamn dingleberry bush. This is... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, oh, no, like, to me, hello. I, 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 res- I respect the fact that you were able to answer him 
and uh, 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 you know, and, and keep it moving. But I would have been. I don't. I, I, I when I come no when I gotta drag someone, I want them to see their positives or their negatives. That's right. how I was taught to drag. <laughs> no, let me tell you, unfortunately, my, my my dragging is they drag you until all your body parts are dismembered and only your torso. Oh my god! So I'm like, I don't have. You're a killer in a horror movie. Yeah, exactly. I don't have the time to. The, the thing is, if you were like a young, young, young person, I can understand. I kind of coach through. But well, maybe they are. They didn't give me their age. Oh, I hope okay, they're young. Yeah, that's, I hope they're been, young. And they've been assuming that it's someone older. So that's maybe. That's well, I don't. But that's the thing. I don't know. So it could be someone older. Could be someone younger. But the point is, you have one hundred and fifty dollars that you spent on some trifling ass nigga. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry, we don't say the N word here. Trifling ass pineapple. Pineapple. Yeah, we we don't we don't use. I got real. I got real New York real. For That's a real interesting um, discussion there. What do you think about? I don't like to use the word. I don't like the word the N word at all because mm-hmm. I just always figure that something that was created as a slur and something derogatory could never have any positive effect or power, no matter if I use it or not. Mm-hmm. What do you think about it? Honestly, I feel like the word has taken on a life of its own. Mm. And at this point, the word is so far down the rabbit hole that one person not saying it doesn't mean Devante is not going to say it. And it doesn't mean Amy in the white suburbs of her home is not going to say it because she heard it in a damn hip hop song that she's obsessed with. Mm -hmm. So at this point, the word is literally part of our lives. Mm-hmm. You could choose to say it or you don't. Yeah. You know, I will not lie to you. I'm not going to lie and say that I haven't used it regularly. Mm-hmm. You know, but usually what I'm saying it, it's not as a greeting. It's about ignorance. Right. I have taken the word to describe ignorant people when it comes to white, when it comes to black, when it comes to Hispanic, when it comes to Indian. Mm-hmm. If you was a nigga, use a nigga. Mm-hmm. And I often, like, when I go to an event and I'm like, oh, my God, the niggas in here. Mm. Usually I'm talking about folks that ain't got no kind of home training. And And they're ignorant because that's what the word means. Ignorant. But it's so interesting because the original word um, comes from a Latin word, which literally just means black. Hence, Mm. Nigeria, Niger, all those kind of, those words are from the same root. It was used in a derogatory sense during, obviously, the times of transatlantic slavery and, and plantation slavery and whatnot. It was mm-hmm. used by the white slave owners and and racist white people at that time, and as well, even though, as a derogatory term for black people. Um, my thing is, is that black people, I, I always see this discussion because there's always that, that question of, but if it is such a derogatory term and things like hip hop and R&B and, and black music and black culture are so mainstream, no. How do you mm-hmm. then, use, um, as you said, Amy in the suburbs in Pennsylvania from using this word because it is so easily accessible to her. There's no, there's nothing, you know, like when, when Jay-Z and Kanye West have that some niggas in Paris, like how could you tell some person who is white that is a Jay-Z or Kanye West fan Honestly, I'm, you can't. Kind of both not to say it because that's the name of the song. What am I supposed to do with it? And especially in that context, when they were using it, they were using it as in the two of them as friends or niggas in Paris. So mm-hmm. 
you know, and then you have white people using it as a term of endearment amongst their friends. So mm. it becomes, as you said, it's gone so far down the rabbit hole. But then black people would say it is to be policed, and they agree. No white person should use the word because it still no. has is it still has a socially charged meaning. And mm. I think, but black people, for me personally, I don't think black people should use the word either because there's this whole idea about reclaiming the word and reclaiming the power in the word, but the word was never used by black people for a positive means. It was always no. meant to be derogatory. So it's kind of like, if I was to call you an ass hat and, 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 and that today is the first day that I use the word ass hat towards you and you took it as a, oh my God, does my face look like an ass hat? <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> but you get what I mean. Like if today, if today was the first time that we had used this word with each other and they called you an ass hat and you became offended by me using the word ass hat, mm-hmm. there's no way in the, in the entirety of our natural lives together, that there will be no way for you to reclaim that as being positive for you because it was always meant to be an insult. So how can they reclaim something that was ne- that was never the use of it? So it's like it's almost like if we are taking a curse mm. as saying it's not our blessing. It's not a blessing to me. It's still the same curse because black people calling one another niggas, and more often than not, especially in the context of of our upbringing in Barbados. It was always used as I never, I never simple, it, ignorant, or or without the raising, you know. You know what's funny? Mm-hmm. So when I lived in Barbados, mm-hmm. grew up in Barbados, we never used that word. When I came to America, mm-hmm. and that word was being used, I never felt comfortable saying it mm-hmm. as yeah. a greeting. Yeah, no, it's not so, for sure. So I just, but they can't. you know, like it was just a word, but mm-hmm. it wasn't something that I used to greet other black males. No, I usually greet you by your fucking name. I don't, agree. I, I've never used that word in the greeting. And to be honest with you, I remember like growing up, you would hear like our older grand, like our like great grandmother and uh, those older people. Mm-hmm. Whenever, if they used that word, it was never as a term of endearment. It was always, oh, you know, you know, um, look at this. Look at this nigga man come to town. And like that is a barbarian. You know, you I'm sure you've heard Grand with that before. I sure have. And, you know, or look at this nigga man. Look at this nigga man behavior. No, what they always But do, see, that's why I use it as ignorance. Exactly, because it has from the older generation who would have been much closer to the generations where it was used as a powerful slur, a powerful insult. Those persons have always equated it as a term for some person who is behaving impatient, rude, boorish, hoggish, piggish, simple, stupid, or ignorant. So it mm. has never it has never been used as, oh, you are my friend. And I haven't done any research in it, but I know in the early days when I was watching when you were watching like a lot of the movies that were like black movies and it was always set in an urban setting, mm-hmm. the term they would always say, Oh, this nigga was it was almost like it was a it was almost used like a term of Yes, the two of us are black, but you are like you are be, you're beneath me in a sense. In the sense, like, oh, I'm gonna kill this nigga. It was always like the, it, it, it was almost as if when in these movies or in some of the earlier music when that word was used, it was almost like nigga was like objectifying the person. Is that you're no longer my brother? You're not a nigga, mm. a nigga that I can kill. So it, so basically, basically, it's how white people used it, but we just. 
generational curse it. And we, we kind of, I think for me, and again, I've done no I've done no extensive research on this. It's just based on my memory of movies I would have watched and the context. I just feel as if mm. the word has always been used to kind of like take you down a notch. But if because mm. it's because black people were the targets of that word from white people that we think that we can use it freely amongst ourselves, but the meaning is still essentially what it always was. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like girls calling each other bitch. Like if a man was to come and call a woman, oh, all oh, y'all bitches, women would be in an uproar. But then if women use the word bitch amongst themselves, it's like, oh, this is my bitch. This is my home can, bitch. Can, can, I, can, I, can I throw a card on the table? Yeah. It is very similar to when I hear gay males calling each other girls, mm-hmm. but then we'll use that same girl to disrespect someone and emasculate them. Thank you. That's why I've never liked it. Mm-hmm. I've never called any other gay person girl or hey, hey bitch or whatever, because yeah. you'll see people talking about, oh, you my sis, you my sis. And I'm like, dude, I got balls and a dick. Like, I don't have a uterus. So that's, <laughs> that's a whole other story. Right. But, and why would I want to be a female? I don't find being a female, like, not saying that I don't find women unattractive, but they go through periods and menopause and all that other stuff. Why would I even want to be associated with that when I, they are literally still fighting for rights? Mm-hmm. Well, you know what I mean? Why? Yeah, like so it's kind of like madonna's song what it feels like to be a girl it's not it's not that there's anything wrong or derogatory with being a girl but that is not your path to walk so why would you, exactly why would you then and i and i didn't greet you like that yeah read the fucking room i yeah. didn't greet you in that way i greeted you like hey what's going on first name mm-hmm. so that's why i'm like that but then i'll notice even on my on the foxhole or just other places, mm-hmm. they'll be talking about this male who might be straight, might not be straight. He's mm-hmm. still masculine, and then they'll be talking about oh, he's sis up girl. here posted yeah, this, yeah. or oh yeah, he oh he's one of the girls, and or he's this, he's that. To me, the that word now isn't good either yeah. because you're taking a word and talking about hey sis, hey girl, hey that as a meaning of of um, damn, what's the word? as a meaning of togetherness. That's not even a yeah, word I wanted unity, to use, but yeah. unity or, you know, whatever. But then at the same time, you use that same word to, as poison. Yeah. So again, nigga, hey girl, yes, queen, all that other nonsense. <laughs> like that to me doesn't, it, it, it never, it doesn't synergize with each other good. Yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Um, last Last on the table, mm-hmm. a fox holder sent me a video, mm-hmm. and it was about being gay in the barbershop. Oh, Lord. <laughs> and, uh, right. But here's the thing. So I have been through a lot of barbers only because they have left the shop, and they went somewhere far farther, and I wasn't traveling to go find them. Mm-hmm. Um, some went out of state, some left, others disappeared off the face of the earth, or I just was tired of the shop dynamics. As of right now, I have a Dominican barber, mm-hmm. and he does my hair splendidly. They always, they always hit, they they give you the the fresh fucking lineup. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and you know, like the, the, like bar black barbers, I feel like if I was down South or somewhere in a highly populated black African-American type of situation, Mm -hmm. I would have a black barber, but I require the facial and all this other stuff. I'll remember, I'll never forget when I was in between barbers, uh, somebody referred me to this one barber somewhere in Harlem. Mm -hmm. And I can't remember where it was, but it wasn't close to my house. So I had to get on trains just to get there. And I'm like, dude, I like my shop in walking distance, but that's just me. Either way, Mm -hmm. they were telling me how the shop is so wonderful. And I get to this shop and it's a, it was like an exclusive black barbershop. And I was like, all right, I like the vibe in here. It's giving me spa, you know, the, the, the front desk person don't look like like Ratchet City, um, everything looks great. Mm -hmm. I'm used to all of my stuff coming together. Yeah. These motherfuckers gonna tell me that the lineup is $20, the haircut is separate, so that's $30. The facial, that's another $10. To get your eyebrows trimmed, that's fucking $20. Do you you take cash or credit? We take crash, crash, credit, EBT, money order. Like, I just ended up getting the lineup and I needed a haircut. You know what I mean? Fraudulent. So, right. So that, I was just Mm -hmm. adding that into the stress of finding a shop. Fraudulent. As a gay male, you go into barbershops. Barbershops essentially are therapy. They are shooting the shit. They are just... The black barbershop is iconic mm-hmm. in all regions, all hoods, all suburbs. When you see a black barbershop, you know it's about to be turned. Mm-hmm. And now that black barbershops have incorporated the internet and they got the big screen fucking TV and, you know, like after hours, they'll have some sort of get together at the shop. You know what I mean? Like it's a, it's a whole situation going to the barbershop. Yeah. Plus, <clears throat> black males understand that they, we could look scruffy as fuck. Mm-hmm. But as soon as we get in that chair and we come out, we a whole or new fucking person. person. You look in the mirror and then they got the ring light in there now. So they give you the whole situation. Like you are a star. <laughs> Jamari Fox stars as the star. <laughs> Jamari Fox goes into the barbershop, gets his hair cut and now comes out, rules the world and is the president of the United States. Mm-hmm. Stay tuned. Like that's how it feels. For gay males going into the barbershop, a lot of the times we're going into a straight environment where they're talking about sports, they're talking about women, they're talking about fucking, they're talking about child support, they're talking about whatever. Mm. Things that we don't necessarily relate with and sometimes it could be uncomfortable. I know many gay males have gone into barbershops and it's like super straight mm-hmm. and they're new and they're uncomfortable. We're uncomfortable because it's like, okay, now we have to find a barber who is not going to judge me by just looking at me. Correct. And they can already tell that I'm gay. And secretly, some of these males in these shops tend to be very homophobic. I always wonder, where do the really feminine boys, well, foxes, Mm -hmm. foxes, wolves, and hybrids, 
where do they go to get their hair cut? Because sometimes you walk in these shops and these barbers will look at you like, oh God, this fucking F word is up in here. Okay. <laughs> like they're expecting them to have a full vote competition in the fucking like middle of the, the, the room. Like it's not even that serious. Like cut your, cut his fucking hair. Yeah. You know what I mean? But unfortunately, again, people, yeah. their homophobia is super, super high. Mm-hmm. So I know you, you're not feminine or how can I word that without sounding insulting? You're not like a feminine gay male that wears their sexuality on their your sleeve. Excuse me? <laughs> I was trying to word that the best way I could <laughs> no, without trying, I, without I, being I, insulting. Yeah. So if that yeah. was insulting to anyone listening, because, you know, some folks will be like, oh, my God. <laughs> My day is ruined. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not feminine in my. Uh, I'm not outwardly feminine. Although I can, as we know, I can yes. do um, at least five of Britney Spears' choreographies and uh, like runs. But cousin, I'm not outwardly. I'm not outwardly um, feminine. But the, yeah, I get what you mean. What What has been your experience? Between barbershop in Barbados, barbershop in UK. Sweet Jesus in heaven, I ask you to, to just give me the strength <laughs> to give this day. <laughs> so, in Barbados, it's been, Barbados is very weird in the sense that Barbados is a small society. It is very conservative in some aspects, but at the end, uh-huh. it, it is wild as fuck. So, a lot of stuff goes. Ratchet! You understand? So... My first gay barber, as in the barber himself was gay, and it was a completely safe environment. In Barbados? In Barbados, yes. Whoa, Um, whoa, times are changing. So the thing is, is that he himself is not, he was an older, he's alive, he's not, so was it not to say that he's dead. Um, Mm -hmm. He was about 43, 44 when I was like 25, 24, when I started going to him. Or probably mm-hmm. a little bit younger than that. Um, so he's not outwardly feminine, but you know one of those people that you know that he's gay. So the, I think it was never really a secret. Plus, his partner at the time, who was a more feminine gay man, used to do women's hair, but it was not like the it was not like a corner shop hairdresser. It was like a proper hairdressing salon with the Vidal Sassoon and you could come in and have a mm. drink have tea and whatnot so it was like so in barbados if you have money or the air of money to you or the air of luxury to you people will excuse anything that they consider to be not the normal the normal thing for barbadians to do so a gay barber who is masculine presenting in a high-end beauty salon with his partner who is feminine presenting will be excused because the clientele are normally affluent middle-aged women who are corporate or corporate adjacent. So you come in as a young professional black man to this man mm. is not going to be unusual because, oh, it's a luxury space, so it's excused. So that was mm. the first experience with uh, a gay barber. Um, he and I did not have a falling out. It was, you know, like you go into a barber after a while and it's like, you don't really treat him me the way you should be treating me anymore because obviously he has more clientele. Yeah. And what was happening is almost every single gay man in Barbados started to go to him because obviously they wanted the same comfort. So mm. you will go there and end up having to wait. So amazing how straight males love to 
just gay males, but the moment that we have something they need, they're there. They're comforted. Exactly. Um, we start charging those motherfuckers. We should a premium. So that's the, vic- right. the some of the black vixens too, because they be oh, they they be they not perfect. Yeah, some but men can be trifling. And yeah, back to the point. In fact, more trifling than the men. Hello. Um. But so, so I then started another podcast, to, another day in time. True. Go on. I started to go to then another straight barber, mm-hmm. and this straight barber note, they were decidedly very young men. But mm. you know, you know, there are those young straight men who you know that they know that you're gay, but they don't say mm. anything about it. But they're just very playful. Everything about them is very playful, very very playful, and you never. They've never asked me about sex. They would be having conversations about women and da, 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 but they will not involve me. They will involve me in every conversation except women or sports because mm. I don't got the time for sports and I am not attracted to women. So, But I think without me having to say anything, they knew. So even mm. though I was going in there and there was always the anxiety, it was not the anxiety with the barber, it was the anxiety with the people in the shop, the other people who don't know me. So yeah. I would always have to kind of go in and sit down every day. <laughs> so that when people were talking about women and like, big man, you know what we're talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so it was always a very weird... I didn't mean for that laugh to come out so so ugly and ignorant. Just, was... just how you said it, and, and I understand. They'll be like, some guy will be like, yeah, you know... You know, you know Shorty was, was da, 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 da. so you know what I'm talking about, right there, Jamari. I'm like, um, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh huh, yeah. And is this weak? Uh, is like a weak thing? <laughs> is like all of your energy is being drained out of your body. You just could just barely manage the yeah. But yeah, yeah I know, what, I know what that pussy is this like. Yeah, it's real, real nice. <laughs> um, really. Voice goes up high pitch at certain points. <laughs> really moist. It's really moist. <laughs> Why are we like this? <laughs> this is our experience. So, uh, so I felt I didn't find I didn't find going to those straight barbers uncomfortable. Um, and funny enough, one of my best friends in Barbados, mm-hmm. many years later, he ended up going to one of my barbers, who was one of these straight young guys. I know they have a mm. very close friendship, and it's so funny to see, like, in 2012, 2013, when they used to go to him frequently, I never mentioned anything about my sexuality. But mm. no, he is almost like an advocate for gay people, because obviously he's a barber, and he realized a lot of people were coming to him not because he was gay, but because he was attractive. So then a mm. lot of young gay men started to go to him, because words started to go get around that, oh, he's attractive, he's fun, or whatever. And then he realized his clientele was like almost 50 50 straight man gay men so then he mm. was like well you know people in the shop would talk about it and he was like and then the people started to think that he himself was gay so he had mm. to put out this thing online where he was like look i am not gay in, the, in very crude terms he was like you know i like women but in a cruder sense uh, but y'all are not. I like, I like, I'm not gay. You know, I like pussy. I fucked someone. Exactly. Fucked a, a girl last night. You know, I'm not gay That's because my dick got hard when I put it in the pussy. That's okay. any stupidness. Oh, for all but, that. Then he, <laughs> but then he went on then to say that, you know, that nobody is to disrespect any of his customers regardless of their sex. So I think in front, then he became this kind of pseudo gay advocate barber. So it's quite interesting in Barbados. Here, 
the first problem I had was finding a barber that could cut black hair. That was the first problem. Because I remember, and I should have, I should have Molotov cocktailed the fucking barber salon. No, they <laughs> I went to a barber salon not far from central London. And the mm. man, an older white man, looked at me and said, oh, I'm so sorry, but we don't cut your hair here. Oh, no. Not your hair. Yeah. <laughs> Wait a minute, hair. sir. My hair or like, the whole black race hair? I was like, excuse me? He was like, no, it's just that we, we only have like experience cutting like the like, ca- like Caucasian hair. So I don't want to, Brad give, I don't want to give you okay. I don't want to give you a cut that doesn't look like how you would want it to look. I can cut it, but it's not going to look how you want it to look. He'd have to, he'd have to bust out a whole YouTube video just to cut your hair. I was like, what is... So-? How to cut Negro hair? As you could imagine, it would have been a whole... Molotov. Step one. It would have been a whole Molotov cocktail. But I- Comb the naps out. No, they think- <laughs> no, they're thinking back at it and like, hmm, I really should have firebombed that place. But anyhow, so the first problem was finding a barber that could cut black hair. And mm. if and then when you do find the barbers that cut black hair, they're not in central London where I work. They're all like in the different districts like Brixton and and mm. and, and Tottenham and all these far out places that are far from central London. So then when I go and find them, the what happens is then is like again, these places are owned and operated by people who are from the diaspora. So they mm. bring their attitudes or they bring their beliefs, or they bring their culture from Africa or the Caribbean. Mm. So when you get there, it's like if you have walked into downtown Kingston, or downtown Bridgetown, or downtown Lagos, or downtown Accra. So it's not yeah. it's not like London. So you'll have, of course, British people in there, but you might as well be in the islands or in Africa. So mm. I swear, the first one I went to was this Nigerian guy. And... He was nice, but he was gruff. Like, what do you want? Tell me what you want to court. Be moving your hair, moving your head around as if it's a, a football. And but all of, but then all of his clients were very like, they were the African macho men. So everything was, you know, like talking about women and African food. And I don't know at that time, I didn't know half of the stuff about African food. So they were talking about. Do you want fufu and do you want this and do you want that? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I started to feel uncomfortable on different levels because I was no pretending to be gay. And I was also not trying to like Google quickly and my phone. What is Amala? What is foundation? Yes, I eat that. What is what is what is pepper soup? What is a goosey? And I was like, I don't know. So at that time I had to do two types of pretending. Then I found a I found the guy uh, of all the people, an Iranian guy who might as well have been black. He just, he follows black culture. You know how it is. When black culture becomes pop culture, and then everybody is suddenly like black adjacent. So he had that. Oh, culture. Lord. But he was, he's very, he's very. Hi, guys, I'm wearing cornrows now. I, I'm part of the, I'm, I'm uh, for the people. But not that, but he's not that bad. He's, he isn't a douchebag, but he into like black culture. His style is like very black. He, he into the rappers and everything. And the thing is, he was working for a, a shop here, and that shop had there was not a single black barber. Here, wait, tell you, mm. mm-hmm. there were either Filipino, Latino, or Iranian or like Arabic. There was not a single black barber, but they cut black here. And the clientele that he was getting, he had CeeLo Green, he had August Alcina. All of those people were going to him when they were in London. So mm. it was like. 
oh, there's this kind of barber shop. So, you know, you got to pay a premium. But it was a black barber. He got my hair done. And then he started doing home visits. That was plain. But then he started to get yeah. flaky. The last barber shop I then found was a Jamaican barber shop with, oh, with three Jamaican, well, two Jamaican barbers, one Somali barber and one guy who is British, but he's St. Lucian descent. So, you know, there's the full, mm-hmm. there's the full Caribbean, which comes mm-hmm. also with the fact that they can talk all over the face and your appointment is just a myth or a fantasy. So mm. I started to go to him. I ended up having to budget two and three hours out of my time just to go to this barbershop. Because in my area mm. is the only black is one of the only black barbershops that I can go to. Mm. So in here now, because this is no these are no my people, I know exactly mm. what they eat, I know exactly what they drink, I know exactly how they think. So when you go in there, they're looking at you because they also know mm, he's from the Caribbean. So you but, so you had jerks you had your chicken rasp, right? Yeah, I had your chicken rasp. It's like, oh, you know, you know how we we get down. <laughs> you know how it is. Like, you know, like, people that they're drinking malt and all kind of foolishness. So we were so, it's Caribbean. Do they know about Guinness? Of That's course. Us. No, everybody's okay. drinking. Yeah, all of them is drinking Guinness. So, Guinness so you is had a so but um, it, it had. Like I had to get this last night. Oh, you had to get this last night. You know how you know how we get you know down we when get. we fight. So it was. Like... <laughs> <laughs> so when I first went in there, I then realized that I suddenly felt like a teenager going into a barber shop again because I had to pretend, and I still pretend in there because mm. there's so many younger black men from like London that go in there. But they're all they all present as being very heterosexual. I don't know who is gay or not, but they mm. all. But that's but that's the thing with uh, in our in our community. Yeah, we are around people that are possibly gay or bi, but we don't know because they're they pretending. hold their sexuality hold quit really quit close to the chest. So I'm in, you know, and don't, and I'm like, I may come in, I may lock my foot like Bernie Sanders and that meme. <coughs> and, then suddenly I'm like, when my foot laugh. If this was an email, and, this should have been an email. Exactly. So then I realize you will meet, you will see like some of the people in the shop looking because when they lock my foot is is a production because my feet lap and it looks very elegant, you know, very stylish. So Bill Cosby used to lap his foot on the damn fucking show. Ain't nobody said nothing about him. I don't that want you. A- I don't want you to to ever compare me to Bill Cosby again. <laughs> How do you? Well, but a lot of. The word is not bougie, no. but a lot of a lot. upper class black males like Obama right. class like laps his feet. I don't understand but what that's about. The thing problem. is, in the Caribbean context, well, at least in, in when I was growing up as a teenager, if you lap your foot, it was considered to be something that only women did. So then it you would then if you lap your foot, especially in teenage times, it was mm-hmm. like, Oh, you're use a body man, use a bullet, whatever, whatever. So mm. it that that kind of torment is still in the back of my brain. So when I go into that barber shop, no, I feel like if I've gone back to being a teenager, hiding my sexuality all over again. So mm. as much as he as he cuts my hair really well, and I have a good relationship with him as the barber, it is a relationship that is inauthentic because he doesn't know that I'm gay, and it's not that my barber every barber needs to know that I'm gay. But at mm. least even like with the Iranian guy that I told you about, he was coming to my, he was coming to my flat. He knew it was gay. He knew every, he, you know, like when it was going through my breakup previously, he knew 
about what was going on. He was giving me- He used to see them booty calls coming out as he was coming in. There was no such thing in this house because this is a house of God. This is a Christian household, okay? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Oh. And then you go to the basement. It's a full-fledged worshiping of Satan. No. I, know how, I know how it gets down. No sir. such thing here. How dare you? <laughs> But no, as the no, as the red light is glowing from a particular door. <laughs> but no, I think for me it, it is a if you are not prepared for it, it is a very uncomfortable experience. And I think it, it, barber shops are well, they're supposed to be very safe spaces because barbers become the therapists. But at the same time, for black gay men, it is not a I, I, I expect it is not very good in any small conservative society. But us as black men that are gay it is it's a bit you know it's tricky to navigate that space because it's not just the barbers, is all of the patrons. If mm. you all come back in there every day, is the different cultural things that you may not know because you're not straight. It, it's just a mess. So, I'm not gonna get into all of my barbers. <clears throat> I they have. Do, they do like it. I do like going to the barber shop. It's, a, it's, I mean, you come out looking amazing. So yeah, it's literally, it's literally transformation Tuesday or whatever tra- day you go. Um, but for me, when I like, I've gone to my barbers, you know, I grew up when I got here in the hood. So realistically in the forest, all of my barbers were in the hood. Yeah. I never, you know, it's weird. I never went into a barber shop with my sexuality on my shoulders, mm-hmm. I went into the barber shop not thinking, oh, my barber and me, you know, our relationship. It was more so the nervousness of being around straight males because mm-hmm. a lot of my bullies were straight males. And imagine how hard it is to be attracted to males that bullied me and made me feel less than. Right. growing up mm-hmm. so that you know going into the barber shop and all these black males it's like one of my biggest fears growing up has always been walking into a room and everyone just suddenly looks at you, looks at you. <laughs> and it's like you're like uh hi and everyone you know for me coming from a place of being talked about just walking in the room mm-hmm. that always made me feel very uncomfortable So, like, I will never forget first day of schools always made me uncomfortable because I had to go into an environment where I was potentially going to be judged because I always assumed everyone's looking at me. They're probably going to know. They're probably going to talk about me being softer than all the other boys. Mm -hmm. So that was always my biggest thing. But for me, I would go into the barbershop, I'd sit my ass down, and I'll kind of observe who is giving the best, if it's a new shop, right. I'll observe who is giving the best cut, mm-hmm. and I'll go to that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I'll establish, I tip really well, so I'll establish a connection with my barber. My barber is here to cut my hair. And sometimes we'll have discussions, but like my last barber, he was amazing, but he went way too far and I wasn't traveling to go find him. But we would talk all the time and have these great discussions and that motherfucker cut my hair. He made love to my head, okay? (laughs) 
But at the end of the day, you know, I go into the shop and if we strike up conversation, my current barber, we don't. Right. But he knows I come in. We have a mutual understanding. I need you to give me the best slaying of my head possible. And then you're going to get tipped well. Mm. That's it. You know, but if I was to meet a barber and we were to talk and be cool, you know, I wouldn't be opposed to letting him know. But I, again, for me, I feel like my sexuality is my business. And I feel like if it needs to be shared, I'll share it. But at, a lot of the times I feel like it doesn't need to because... A lot of people like to walk in the room, I'm gay, comes in first, and then they do. Exactly. And I'm just like, okay, you're gay. And so is the guy around the corner. What is so special about you? <laughs> you know what I mean? Because at the end of the day, you might be a gay and a full-fledged demon. Exactly. So I like that doesn't mean anything. We live in an age now where everyone is either gay, bi, or experimenting. So that's not a fucking big deal. Give me something else. Right. So, but back like before all of this happened, you know, even still, like I just, I'm just a really quiet person and I observe a lot. Mm -hmm. But when I get comfortable, I'll start to talk and, you know, I'll start to be like, you know, Mr. Amazing Jamari, sparkly guy. Mm -hmm. But when I first initially knew to something, I just come in, sit down, keep the peace, see what's happening. And then once I established roots in there, I'll start to slowly, you know, open up. But I'm very, very quiet. And I, you know, a lot of black males, they come in, you know, they, they come in with the entire shenanigans and the show. The show is called Shenanigans, <laughs> you know? So they come in and they gotta be like, so, you know, remember that game last night with LeBron? <laughs> so low. That, that, that's never me. That is not Jamari Fox. You know, that's never been me. Probably will never be me, you know. But when I'm comfortable, you will get a couple more sentences from me. <laughs> um, but for me, if you're gay and you're going to a barbershop, my advice is go to the barbershop, observe the scene, see what it's like. Don't be anywhere that's uncomfortable mm -hmm. and get your hair cut. Be more concerned with, is he going to cut my hair good? <laughs> is my fucking lineup going to be crooked? Is he going to nick the side of my head? You know what I mean? Exactly. Like, you are going there for a service. Your sexuality is not the service. Your sexuality no. is you. You're bringing you to the table. So I'm going to the barbershop for a service. I'm not going to the barbershop mm. to talk about my sexuality. Mm. I don't know them. And even yeah. if I know them, it's going to be chilling out and whatever. But right. I don't go places with my sexuality on my shoulders. Like a lot of gay males get, we're, a lot of us are very sensitive mm -hmm. and like to cause a lot of ruckus and kadumit, Bayesian terms, when nothing is, nothing needs to be like, like argued. Nothing needs to be put on, you know what I mean? So I don't go into my shops with that on my shoulders. I go into my shops because I want my fucking hair done and I need it to be done well. And you know what I mean? Now, if you say, oh, I don't know why this faggot came up here. Oh, now, you know what I mean? Now we're going to have a problem. And at the end of the day, I don't walk in there with my sexuality. So you pointed me, pointed out that I might be gay. So what, our people know our people. <laughs> so what's your story? And that's it. Because I'm always down for the story. So 
My advice, just go into the damn shop, observe the environment. If they're acting like nincompoops, walk your ass out. And we have a slew of gay barbers everywhere. Yeah. It's either word of mouth or you walk into the shop and he's there. You know what I mean? And sometimes you don't even know he's gay until he says, yeah, you know, so me and my partner, you're like, oh my God, you're fine as fuck. What? Oh, and that's another thing. Mm. The barbershop sometimes brings the mm. finest males up in there. You be like, oh, hey, <laughs> can you take, can you get your shirt off? Can you get your haircut with your shirt off? No cape around you, please. Your pectoral muscles just, they just do something to me. I'm not meeting you for the first time, but I'm already imagining what you look like on top of me. Thanks. <laughs> like, have you ever walked in the shop and ever saw like a man come in there? And you're like, oh my God years ago that happened to me and I, I I think I was in the chair getting my haircut and I think I couldn't hide my shock. <laughs> so I was like Yeah blah, blah, blah. <gasps> So it was a very Oof. it was a I took a, I think I probably literally took a gasp. I think that's where the conversation between me and my previous barber came out about my because <laughs> it was a gasp. I think um, my barber knows because whatever a fine dude walks in my shop I'm always peering. <laughs> Wait, no. I mean, on the damn, on the damn mirror. Your neck keeps swiveling late. Mm -hmm. Like, you want your hair cut properly, Jabari? Or are you trying to look at this, 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 this ass over here? Like, what is up with you? It's late, and then the conversation goes from yes, you know. And if you look at this research that was done in twenty, the uh huh, mm -hmm, mm, uh huh. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. What were you saying? <laughs> we were talking about research. Like, I don't even know what the fuck you. Okay. Um, no, there was was one, I'll never forget it. I think it was last summer, a couple summers before. I walked to the barber shop, and this fucking fine ass dude I've never seen before came up in there. And I swear to my Jesus, every I used to go get my my hair cut on the exact day. I think it was a Sunday. I went up in there. I used to go every Sunday because I was like, he gonna be here. He gonna be here. He ain't here. Cut. I never saw him again. But when I tell you, he came up in there with the fucking bicep. And I, I love a good pair of biceps. Look at you. The fucking biceps was popping out of the shirt, and then he had on the sweatpants. So the sweatpants was hugging every curve of his ass, and I maybe saw print. Oh my god! Look at you. Look at you. Uh, uh, my body and do anything you want with it, and I will be okay. <laughs> You can pee. Okay, no, you can't. But you can do whatever you want besides bodily bodily extracts <laughs> or whatever that word is for shit and peeing. Oh no. Um, but yeah, I mean that that's all I have to say about the gay barbershop yeah. situation. Uh, we had a great conversation we today, did. guys. Foxholders too, they're listening. Guys, foxhole included. <laughs> Thank you so much, guys, for tuning into this amazing podcast today. We had a great discussion about people. Um, since karaoke is not here to do trivia, I'm going to give a quote. Yes, give a quote. Not even a quote. It was a, something I saw on Tumblr today. I'm going to say it really quick before we leave. Mm -hmm. um, it says, you are not lost. You are here. Stop abandoning yourself. Stop repeating this myth about love and success that will land in your lap or evade you forever. Build a humble, flawed life from the rubble and cherish that. There is nothing more glorious on the face of the earth than someone who refuses to give up, who refuses to give in to their most self-hating, discouraging, delusioned self, and instead learn slowly and painfully. 
how to relish the feeling of building a hut in the middle of, a, of the suffocating dust. Dwell on that, Foxhole. You are someone, and at the end of the day, the things that you're going through, you will get past. We will always get past. Just because you're in the slums today don't mean you'll be in the slums forever, but it's up to you to get out of it. So you have to take the first step to rise above. So nothing is ever that bad unless we make it that bad. Anyway. Right. That's right. That's right. That's right. You tell them. That's right. That's right. You tell them. You tell them. So, Foxhole, if you like this podcast, remember to leave a rating and a review. It helps to bring this podcast to more people and this channel and my website. Again, InsideJamariFox.com. Thank you so much. Next week, we have a guest Foxholder coming through. So, I cannot wait to have that. And we will see you guys next week. Have a good week ahead. Bye. Goodbye.